And again, keep in mind that me and LJ are like 12. One, either you made it, or two, you're fucked. I'm not doing it on Sunday. I'm sorry. Chapulé. I'm gonna exaggerate the fuck out of this. So we had one coach who had a permanent heart on all the time. <laughs> yeah, this shit's kind of annoying Wee! though, but yeah. I'm buying your ass a thong. <laughs> yeah. Who would win right now? You or 55-year-old Jackie Chan? I'm about to throw the fuck up. He wants that little dick. I'd say it's the biggest fight of the year. They may be the best team in the NBA. Fun facts for you about dating. I think different women like different things. Not told oh, you anybody to. about this story what? in my life. On wax. Hey, this is John with On Wax the Podcast. How you guys doing? Pretty good, man. We're live right now. There we go. Yes, sir. So right now we're with special guest Anthony Smith, a.k.a. Lionheart. I have so much I want to talk to you about. Um, but right now I want to set the expectation that I'm, that I'm not an MMA podcast by no means. Uh, huge MMA fan, huge fan of yourself, but but we might go off the grid a little bit just to get to know you a little bit better. Is that all right? Yeah, that's, t- yeah, that's totally fine, man. So first things first I noticed is you were born in Corpus Christi, Texas, correct? Yes, I was. And how long did you live in Corpus Christi? Um, not very long. Uh, just the first few months of my life, and then uh, my my whole dad's side, the, the whole side of my dad's family, uh, lives in Houston. Okay. Um, so then we went from we ended up going from Corpus Christi to Colorado Springs. We lived in Colorado Springs until I was probably eleven. And then moved to uh, moved to Nebraska. So what you know about Selena? Right <laughs> here we go. What a great movie! Right, right. And so when I think of yeah. Corpus Christi, we everybody always thinks about Selena. Did, did right. you know about Selena like growing up, or was that not even a part of part of your life? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, more so from the movie when right. I was growing up. It was like I was like. One of the, it was one of the ones that was on on repeat a lot in the house. Nice, okay, okay. And right now, currently engaged, right? Or are you officially married? Uh, no, no, I got married in September. Oh man, congratulations! Three kids. Yeah, yeah, we have three daughters. They nice. are eight, five, and two. Are you calling it quits? Or are you going to shoot for that boy? Well, you know, if you would ask me that a couple months ago, it was a it was a pretty hard no. You know that we were we were good. Um, but, you know, as the baby, you know, is getting a little bit more independent, you know, the both of us are kind of talking about maybe one more. So it's still up in the air for now. Is it is it one more shooting for a boy? Like, is that the goal or just you we we want to grow the family into four kids? You know, I, I, don't, I don't I'm not really too concerned with with having a boy, you know, really? obviously. Yeah, if I, if I had one, um, you know, that'd be great. Obviously, it'd be a, a big it'd be a huge difference from what I'm used to. You know, I'm in a house full of girls. Um, but you know, I, I I don't mind it, man. I don't mind having three daughters. You know, it's, if you would have, again, if you would have asked me a long, you know, years and years ago, if if I was going to be happy with all daughters, I probably would have told you no, but you know, now that that's my reality, I I honestly don't mind it, man. I don't mind the, you know, the volleyball and, and dance stuff, you know, it's, it's just, just, just different, you know, but I, I like it a lot and I enjoy it. 
that couldn't be any more true. I I had two girls right off the jump, and I really wanted a boy prior. But you know, I got my oldest daughter, and she means the absolute world to me. I had my my middle daughter, and I was like, you know what? I don't even need a boy at this point. Like I I'm fully content with with having all girls. And then I had the boy. You know, my third one is a boy. So thank God I got mine. But to your point, you know, you think you want something until you have girls, and it totally changes your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't doesn't make any difference to me you know i i feel like if you start asking for you know certain things uh i feel like you're being greedy you know right. there's so many i mean you know how it is as a parent you see all these parents out there with you know kids with disabilities mm-hmm. and you know sure. uh, my wife worked at children's hospital for a long time so she's seen a lot of cancer babies and and just a lot of kids that, that had a lot of problems and, and a lot of families that lost kids you know absolutely. so absolutely to, to be honest, man, I'm just happy with healthy, you know, and, and, and anything, anything past that, uh, is, I was look at it as a blessing, but, um, that's why I just try not to, you know, if we're going to have another one, uh, just, you know, healthy, that's absolutely, it. Absolutely. For sure. And I appreciate you taking your time. This is absolutely phenomenal that you're here with us. It's new year's Eve. So thank you for taking time. Do you have any big plans tonight? Is it kind of a lay, lay low type of new year's or, or do you do a, some celebrating? Man, you know, when I was younger, you know, that was the crazy, crazy night, right? But, right. you know, you get a little older and you start having kids and stuff, you know. As long as me and my wife been together, we've been together uh, 10 years now. Uh, you know, it, it's just, I mean, we usually lay low, you know. Right. New Year's Eve is kind of amateur night, uh, especially here in Nebraska. So, <laughs> it's typically not really that fun, you know. The dinner reservations are hard to get, uh. Uh, any kind of not, bar not for Anthony Smith, right? I'd assume Anthony Smith can get some dinner reservations. Well, yeah, yeah. These days, for sure, I can get in wherever I want. But you know, it's everything's so busy. You know, it's even if you wanted to go have a couple drinks somewhere, it's, there's so many damn people. It's so packed and busy. It's just I, I'd rather just get some friends together. Um, you know, the kids. You know, all of our friends have kids that are similar in age to mine, so they bring their kids over, and we go over to their house and bring our kids. And, and uh, keep it pretty low-key these days. Nice. Well, well, like I said, we definitely do want to talk to you about the fighting. Um, tons to talk to you about. First things first, I kind of mentioned it to you earlier, but it's kind of like life has obviously changed for you recently, I would just assume. You know, I, I was looking at your journey, you know, looking into some things from Strike Force to Bellator from the UFC. Like your 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 name, your your brand has just grown I definitely want to talk to you, so don't let me forget to talk to you about the commentating. Um, that just seems like a natural gift that you have. I, I, and we want to talk about. It. Let's just jump into the commentating right right at the back because I'm afraid that I'm, I didn't have it written down on my agenda. But <laughs> is that just natural? Is that something like you're 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 you know anxious to do? Is that something you have get anxiety for? Because it's totally different than fighting, of course. How is your commentary days with the UFC compared to fighting? Oh, uh, it's it's different for sure. Um... You know, and it wasn't anything that I was actually pursuing. Um, you know, I think in the back of my head, you know, you know, a long time ago, I always thought it'd be something cool to do, but it was never anything I was pursuing at the time. They, uh, they came to you with the opportunity? Yeah, yeah, wow. they came to me. Um, it, it really started off with, it really started off with interviews, like in media day and stuff like that. And, and just being you know, well-spoken? Yeah, I just, I just interview well, and I'm, and I'm honest, and I'm real, and you know, in this game, so many people are so, so wrapped up in trying to be what they think everyone wants them to be. Right, like the kind really of the, the, the yeah, big personality. Like, 
yeah, like people are trying to figure out, you know, what the fans want and, and, and what's more popular. And honestly, man, I'm just from, you know, I grew up in Nebraska, you know, like I don't, I don't really care. Like I'm just here to do my thing. Right. And, and I think people appreciate that. You know, it, it helps that I'm, I'm well-spoken and I, and I don't, I don't get anxiety in front of the camera. It doesn't bother me, you know, and, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't say crazy things just for the shock, the shock value of it. I think, I think especially here in the Midwest and, and, you know, essentially places away from the coast, people just appreciate listening to someone that's just being honest and, and giving you the, the facts, you know? So absolutely. I, I think that's where it started. And, and it, that first opportunity I had, um, to do any kind of real uh, analyst stuff was when John Jones fought Alexander Gustafson the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't hurt that I was the next in line for the title. So I, you know, it made it easy for me to talk about that fight and, and give an honest assessment of both of those guys because they're, they were in my division at the time. Um, I also have a serious XM show that started with just a, a weekly spot with Dan Hardy and uh, RJ Clifford. Right. And really it was just talking about what, you know, I, when I fought Shogun in Germany, every time, I guess a lot of people probably don't know this, especially maybe maybe on your podcast, but you show up the Tuesday before a Saturday fight. During that week, you have a bunch of media obligations. You got photo shoots. You got interviews. Um, and part of your fight week obligation is you have to sit down with the people that are calling the fight at the cage, the the color and the color and play by play analysts. Right, like the well, Dan Hardy and is, whoever else, right? Yeah, Dan, yeah, yeah so Dan, Hardy. Yeah, yep. Dan, yeah, Dan Hardy was working that Germany event and it was the first time that I'd ever talked to Dan Hardy ever. I've been, it was a huge fan of his, but I'd never been around him or talked to him. He was from the UK. So he's not around. So, um, we go into this fighter meeting and then there's, there's producers, there's the, 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 any, everyone who runs the show plus the, the commentators and all that stuff. So and it, it's like me, my coach, and then t- talking to like 10 people. And they're asking questions about game plan and what you did different and what you plan on doing and, you know, all this stuff they want to talk about during the broadcast. And essentially, it ended up being – it's supposed to be a 15-minute deal. Me and Dan Hardy ended up just talking fights and bullshitting right. for, like, 30 minutes. And everyone just sat back and were like, what is happening right now? And we just vibed like that. So Dan had the Sirius XM show, brought me on uh, as a weekly – as a, just a weekly spot to talk about uh, – like post pay-per-view or running up to a pay-per-view and just really just to do the same thing we did in Germany. We just talk about fights and then people just, it blew up like the spot blew up because everyone really loved it. Right. And then it just kind of melted into this. Then I got the first analyst gig and I, I thought I did terrible. It was, it's, it's really, really hard, man. It's a lot harder than it looks. And you know, you got someone talking to you in your ear and they're guiding you through the conversation. And like, as, you, as you know, you're conversating, you have somebody in your ear. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As you're talking, you got, you got ear, you know, you got the headset on as you're talking, you're listening to the producers as they're guiding the show. And then, you know, sometimes if one, you know, one of the analysts or Karen Bryant runs a little long on something she was saying, now this whole point that I had in my head that I want to make, I got to cut 10 seconds off of it. Absolutely, yeah. And it, so then you got to figure out, you know what I mean? It's a yeah. bunch of timing and, and hitting spots and, and it's, it, it's really hard. So I, I didn't feel like I did that well, uh, but they were happy with it. And they said that there was a lot of room for growth. And, and, and every time I run out there, man, I feel like I'm getting better and better. And I'm learning a lot from, you know, like guys like Rashad and, and Bisping and, and Daniel Cormier is giving me a lot of help and, John Anik and Karen and just, you know, everybody I've worked with, I I feel like each time I do it, I get better and better and better. And 
you know, one of these days I'm not going to be able to be making those walks to the octagon anymore. You know, right. Right. I've got a lot of miles and I'm getting older and not that I'm old by any means, but I, I mean, was going you know, to, probably, I was going to mention that as well. Um, 46 fights, but you're only 31 years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's crazy. My manager texted me today and said I had, I fought 41 times this decade. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's something to look back on this decade for sure. Yeah, that's nuts. So yeah, that's how the that's how the commentary stuff or the analyst started. It was just kind of fell into it, and and now that I've been you know I was injured in June, so I broke my hand. I've had two surgeries trying to get that fixed. Um, actually, today I had my last X-ray. I'm 100 percent cleared, so that's cool. But um, yeah, so I, I've just had more time to do it now. So now I'm just. I don't know, man. I like it, you know. And again, I'm not gonna be able to fight forever, you know. So it, it'd be a nice transition. Once I'm done fighting, I won't, I won't be that guy sitting there with my hands out, you know, like looking around, wondering what am I gonna do now. It'd be a quick transition into, you know, the analyst stuff full time, and, and I'm good to go. With 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 that ahead of you, and with that looking so promising, um, and, and of course, you know, with like CTE and like other random things with fighting, is that something that's in the back of your head? Like, man, maybe maybe now I don't have to fight as long. Is it something like, or you want to continue to fight, you know, to your full potential, get as far as you can, legacy wise, shoot for the belt, you know, and and then then go after commentary. Like having this commentary gig being so promising, is does that kind of impact how long you're gonna fight at this point? I don't I don't think so. Good, you know, okay, I, good. I, th- I think when I know, I know, you know yeah, what I mean? I, and, and I think that some guys do run into those problems where absolutely I, I can, I can really see how I could see just the way that you get treated as an analyst. Right. To be honest with you, I, I, I've been treated better as an analyst than I ever have as a fighter. I mean, you have, there's assistants that are just dedicated to you. If you want coffee, they'll get it. You got a headache, you got Excedrin or Tylenol or whatever you need. If your stomach is upset, they'll fix it. If you're hungry, wow. they'll get you food. If you're thirsty, you get whatever you want. Like it, it's a very cushy job and you get treated really, really well. So I can see how it could be real easy to have one foot out the door. Right. But that's just not my mindset. You know, it's, uh, it, my, my mindset is to, is to win a world title. Now, once I win the world title, you know, then, then, then you got to re, you got to start really reevaluating your goals. Like at that point in time, do I, Defend do it. I just defend it? Right. Do I just defend it until I lose it, and then if I lose it, do I just call it quits then, or right. or do I want to come back and get it again? You know, I, I, the the analyst gig wasn't me trying to get one foot out the door. It was really just me creating other opportunities uh, in this game. Absolutely. So I, you know, it's it's cool that I'll have it when I need it, uh, but I'm 100 percent committed and focused on fighting. Now. Is there is there any specific opponent name that you're looking at? I know I know you'd probably want to run it back with you know Santos if possible. There's there's Dominic Reyes pending his fight with John Jones. I mean there's, there's a couple different options um, that you're looking at. Is there anybody that, that you have your eye on specifically? Well, I mean I, my eyes are always on John Jones, uh, okay, and, the, and that's and that's where I'm looking, but. As far as, you know, what's next, you know, the, everyone's kind of tied up right now. The next available right, guy that's him. down the rankings that's not coming off a loss or booked is Glover Teixeira. So that's, you know, that's kind of where I've been. That's what I asked for. And and Glover, Glover's in, you know, like, he, he's a cool dude. He's a lot like me. Like, there's no BS with me. Like, if we don't have beef, there's no reason to create it. So, right. like, I see Glover from time to time at events and, and, you know, I, I'll walk up behind him and 
wrap him up in a body lock and pick him up off his feet just to mess with him. You know what I mean? Like we get along fine. So uh, he's he's down. I'm in. You know. Now I think we're really just waiting on a date and location, and, and I'm sure that 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 will probably be at least first in our minds. That's probably where it's going to be. But who actually knows? You know. Right. And with the uh, with the John Jones thing, I just do you do you can you picture him still fighting at light heavyweight for much longer? Doesn't sound like it, but man, I don't know. You never I, know with him. I, right? I, a, a long time, I, a long time ago, I decided I'm done trying to figure out what John Jones is doing. <laughs> right. that, right. uh, I think, I think he does makes any I think damn the sense. MMA world, yeah, has decided to to give up right with you. Right. I, I just don't. I don't know what he's doing. I, I, who who knows, man? You know, I, I think half the shit he says, he just is bored. You know, and right. he just tweets out something crazy to see what people will say. I tell, um, I tell you what, though, like. Um, I had the opportunity at the. I went to UFC 245 last month, mm-hmm. and uh, I ran into Adesanya, and um, man, he he's focused on. I I just you know chopped it up with him a little bit about the John Jones fight, and he says, "Mark my words, 2021, I'll do it on my terms when I'm ready, and I'll beat him." Do you give uh Do you give him a do you give Stylebender any shot of beating beating John Jones? Um. You know, every time I answer this question, I feel like I'm shitting on Israel, and I don't mean it like that. I've, I've been in there with John Jones, and it's style, like technically, striking wise, Israel is head and shoulders above John Jones. I think John Jones has the wrestling and and ground game advantage. Right. Size. I just don't. I just don't know with the size with the size difference. Right. How Israel gets it done. You know what I mean? Yeah, he like has, John Jones you have is to stretch a it big out, dude, right? Yeah, like you'd have to win by points, pretty much, right? Yeah, and John Jones—they they play the same game, right? And John Jones is ten inches longer. You know, you know right. what I mean? Right. It's maybe not ten; it might be five or whatever it is, yeah, but longer. Um, yeah, he's just longer, and he's just—he's just bigger, and and I just don't see—I just don't see how it happens. But you know, again, I learned a long time ago—you can't bet against Izzy. So, <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's, uh, that's the truth. I've, I've bet against him a couple times. Yeah, you can't, man. You just can't. The dude, the dude shows wrong. up. Yeah, he's a game day player for sure. Well, I want to talk to you a couple, about a couple of your losses. Um, and, again, I'm trying to trying to think of some questions that maybe um, you haven't said. I was listening to several of your interviews prior, and I was trying to get away from some of those questions. There was earlier in your career when you lost four in a row. And you were yeah. a lot younger in your career. I, I was, I was curious. Like at that moment, like was there ever a moment that MMA wasn't for you? Like, was it a specific loss? Any loss? John Jones lost four losses in a row. Have, has it ever been in your mind? Like, man, maybe this isn't for me. No, never, never. I, you know, I've never been beat by someone that I didn't feel I could have beaten. And, and even with those four, you know, I lost four in a row one time. I lost three in a row once. Uh, you know, I've, I've never lost more than one in a row in the UFC, but, um, you know, when I was, uh, a lot of that is life circumstances too, you know, like I was, I was young, those four losses in a row, I was young and, Early, and right, yeah. yeah, the game was, the game wasn't as evolved as it is now, especially here in the Midwest, you know, so those guys were getting different training and I was taking fights that I shouldn't have been taking, you know, I, I, I wasn't being guided correctly. Uh, at that point in my career, I was just, and that's my mentality. I'll just fight anyone. Right. I don't give a shit. I'll just line it up. Let's go, you know? And early in my career, I don't know if that was necessarily the best idea. Um, 
So I was taking fights that I wasn't ready for anyways against guys that I shouldn't have been in there with. Uh, and, and not just on those losses. There's a lot of those guys I sh- that I beat that I shouldn't have been in there with anyways. Right. But just from pure heart and dedication and, and willpower, I was able to get over on a lot of those guys. Um, you now the three losses in a row were just – was rough. It, it was just a rough run right there. Like I fought um, Hodger Gracie who – you know, he just ended up on top of me. And it doesn't matter who you are in the world. If Hodger Gracie ends up on top of you, you're getting no, tapped. Right. That's just how it's going right. to go. Then I, you know, then I fly to Brazil injured uh, against another multiple-time world champion grappler and just end up in a bad spot trying to defend a submission and blow my knee. Like, kind of a shitty circumstance kind of thing. Like, there's really nothing you can do in that position, right? I just got, I just was trying to defend it and got stuck. Um and then the Josh Near thing, you know, I'd, I'd come straight off a of knee surgery. I, I was broke. I had a baby. I had no money. Uh, it was, you know, our first kid was like, was a baby and, and I needed to provide, but I like, you know, I didn't have any skills in the, in the workplace. Like that's all I'd ever done was fight. So like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, that's all I was doing was fighting. So you know, I was just in a bad spot mentally. You know, I, was, I didn't have any confidence. I was coming off of losses. I had just gotten cut from the UFC. Um, it, it was just life circumstances weren't where they needed to be, and I needed the money, and I had to come back quicker than I was ready to be back. And, you know, it just it just happens. And, and, and you know, Josh Neer's a tough dude, and he got, you know, he got over on me. And uh, it is what it is, you know. And I had to, I had to pull myself back, back up on my bootstraps and get back after it, you know. And, and I, and I've learned from every single one of my losses. Do you, do you have like a defining win uh, in your in your in your career where like it stuck out? Like man, this this is the one. Like like the Gustafson fight, people counted you out on that. There, I was looking at your resume. It's like man, you've beat some like legit MMA legends, man. Like like have you ever looked back on your? I know I know you probably will after you retire, but have you ever already kind of soaked in this moment right now? It's like man, I this is me. Like I'm really beating these guys. Like, I, I, like, I just feel like you've, you've already accomplished so much. Um, and it makes me proud to say you're from Texas and it makes me proud to say you're on the podcast today. Like this guy that I'm speaking to right now has beat some MMA legends, man. Like it's crazy to think that, that you're still going and like you're, you're going even stronger than like you said prior in your career. Like you keep getting better. You keep making adjustments. You keep getting stronger, at this point, like, is there one win where you're like, yeah, that that was the turnaround win where I knew, like, I'm going to go up from here? Um, no, not re- honestly, not really. Like, it, it's always just been one foot in front of the other. Nice, okay. You know, I, I, I've, I've never won a fight that I didn't expect to win. Okay. You know, so I kind of goes back to that saying, uh, like, act like you've been here before, yes, you know, sir. like, yes, sir. I don't know. Ne- I don't necessarily get too crazy and, and party super hard after my fights. You know, obviously I go out and have a good time and celebrate with my friends, but it's really, I'm just celebrating everyone being around together and, and, and we didn't lose. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, uh, what's that? There, you know, there's another saying that I think about all the time. Like I hate losing more than I enjoy winning. Yeah. And, yep. and, that, and after every win, it's not, Oh my God, I won! It's like, thank God I got out of that one. You know, like yeah. it's a relief. You, you it's hear, a relief. You hear some fighters that say they're they're like uh, they're scared to fight prior. Like Cowboys said it. There's several fighters that say like they they're they're in the back. Like, is 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 that something you're excited for? Are you pretty calm? Like, how are your ner- nerves right before a fight? 
I, I, you know, this is funny. I was just talking about this last night with some of my guys on my team here in Nebraska. I, I, I think all those feelings are the same. You know, I think excitement and, and nervousness is exactly the same. I think that it's all about your perception of what you're feeling, right? So right. if you, anytime you see Olympic athletes, um, that, that go into interviews and stuff like that, the reporters always ask the same questions. Uh, were you nervous before you went out there? And almost every single one of them says, no, I was excited. And come on, like some of them have to be nervous, right? Absolutely. But, like they, they've learned to channel that those nervous feelings into something else. Right. So right. It, 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 do I feel nervous? No, never. I'm never like nervous or afraid, but I'm super, super excited. And I just can't wait to get there. But I think over time I've learned to, I've gotten used to those feelings and I've done it so many times. And I've made that walk so many times that I know what to expect. And I know when I start getting that feeling in my stomach that when I was younger, I probably would have called that nerves. Like I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm worried. Right. Like that exact same feeling now in my thirties is this is excitement. I know what I'm, I know what we're about to do. I, I'm, I know I'm prepared. And, and Chuck Liddell said, or maybe it was Randy Couture said a long time ago that he's never nervous because he's done everything he possibly could in preparation yep, for that fight. That. Yes, sir. That once you get in, once you get in there, it, it's almost fate. Not really that I don't really necessarily know if I believe in fate, but like what's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah, and as long as you go in there and you give max effort and you do the best that you can, and you put in all the work prior, your conditioning, your pad rounds, your, um, um, you know, your grappling, your all that stuff. Uh, there's nothing else you can do. Like you just now, you just have to go in there and try to win. And you know that's how I look at it. Like I, I've done, I do everything. I work my ass off. I, I, I put in more work than any. There's no opponent I've ever fought that's out that's that's outworked me before we got there. Right. That's just never happened, and and so I don't I don't get those feelings, but I think that I've learned to channel that and and change that. Is there is there anybody that you wanted to fight that you just never got the opportunity? Whether it was a legend, whether it was a you know somebody that you disliked, is there anybody that you were like, you know what, I really wish I could have got that fight, or still to this day, like I, I'm really gunning for X, Y, and Z. Glover is an awesome example because again, he's a he's a legend of the sport. Is there anybody? specifically that you wish you would have fought or that you were aiming to fight? Um, not out of like Rashad Evans was I, another I, one that that had to be pretty what, exciting. Right. Like, I mean, it's out of complete respect, but I think like being able to fight like a prime rampage or like Ooh, a prime yeah. Vanderlei Silva. Yeah. I like the rampage fight. Hella, yeah. Yeah. That'd have been hella cool. You know, like getting that rampage from like Oh seven or Oh eight with the chains on his what neck is, rampage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not the one we see today, but no, the not the, you one know, the, the, the prime uh, one, Fedor. right? Like, you know, I kind of, I'm kind of in that that era that came right after those guys. Right. You know, the you know, I fought Shogun, I fought Rashad. You know, I like, I fought Hector Lombard. Like, I've kind of fought some of those guys already, but it would have been cool to get like you Rampage beat, when he was beat. when he was Rampage. Man, that yeah, what that would have been a neat fight. Is there any upcoming fights that you're excited about? Like uh, we have John Jones, Dominic Reyes, Conor McGregor, Cowboy, Khabib Ferguson, DC Stipe. Any of those fights that stick out to you? Like, we we're, we're, real quick, I, I got another question for you, and I, I hate to pick your brain about this, but I talked to I've talked to several UFC fighters that say they don't watch the UFC events. Like, ah, you know, I I do it, I train, I, I don't really watch the fights. Do you, are are you one of the guys? I mean, doing commentary, I'm pretty sure you have to, you know, keep a close eye on these guys now, but. 
Is it something like... Oh, I'm a junkie. Okay, good. I'm a junkie, nice. man. I don't miss a fight. I'm a junkie. Nice. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I was like that before I was an analyst. Like, if I'm not working the event now, it's on at my house. Nice. Or I'm at someone else's house watching it. But nine times out of ten, uh, people... And that's, like, that's like that's how I'm known in the neighborhood. Like, if there's a fight on, everybody knows Anthony Anthony's got it, got it on. <laughs> Anthony's got it. Nice. Okay. Real Anthony's real got it. Bring, bring beer and he'll be happy. Real quick on some predictions. Uh, any chance that Dominic Reyes gets it done against John Jones? Not a chance. Not a chance. I'm with you there. It, it, would do, are you chance. one like so? I don't mean, and I don't mean that in dis- a disrespectful no, I, absolutely way. Not. I think, Reyes, I think... Is, Reyes is green. He's very, very green. He's he doesn't have enough experience or enough. He doesn't have enough miles on him to to have seen everything. Right. So can he catch John Jones? Maybe. You know, like unlikely John. I mean. To be honest with you, I think I'm one of the better guys in the world at catching people slipping. Right. Uh, and I and I had a hard time doing it. Uh, I don't I don't foresee Reyes having any easier of a time than I did. But he's a powerful, explosive guy. He matches John better than I do in, in size. Mm-hmm. But what he loses is is fight IQ and intelligence. You know, like I like Reyes as far as his style when he's striking and stuff like that. But his wrestling game is terrible. He, you know, he got out wrestled and grounded. You know, and beat on the ground by Volkan Ozdemir, uh, who's by no means a, a world champion grappler, right? So, yeah. um, there's that gaping hole in his game. But he, I, I hate I hate to say it like this, Reyes isn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. Nope. Like he's he's not smart enough to out to to trick John Jones and walk him into something. Uh, I did it a couple times, but you know, I had my own things going on, and my own issues that I was dealing with, and I just wasn't able to do all the things I wanted to do. Uh, no excuses, you know, it, it is what it is. He beat me that night, but um, I, I just don't, I, Reyes doesn't have enough tools that he can start checking down through his list of things he can do to get to John Jones like right. I do. You know, like, if, if John Jones is going to outstrike me, like, he's not going to out-wrestle me, you know, he shot 10 times, he got two takedowns, and I ended up back on my feet. You know, he's not going to, he wouldn't even engage in the jiu-jitsu with me, you know, because he doesn't want to grapple with me because he knows better. He's like he doesn't have any of those fears with Reyes. How how does John Jones get it done in February? In the good uh, I mean, in the good city of Houston, Texas. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there too. I'm calling oh, that fight. Oh shit! No way. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Nice. Um, I'm gonna try to meet up. That'll be dope. Yeah, yeah, you should, man. I, I'm working that event, so mm-hmm. uh, I, I think John Jones is gonna play it safe for the first couple rounds. Um, because he's gonna Reyes is dangerous early. Right? right, he's he's very very he's very very dangerous early. Weidman knows that John, from experience, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and and John, but John Jones has seen lots of guys like Reyes. Absolutely. You know those Absolutely. those heavy strikers. I think he'll play it safe the first couple rounds, and then I I, I foresee John doing this similar to what he did to me. He's going to push him up against the cage, and he's going to have a whole lot easier time with Reyes on the fence, and he's going to drag him to the ground. And I think from there, John Jones finishes him however he wants. What about Cowboy Connor? Who you got in that one? The fans win there, my man. Oh, for sure, yeah. That, <laughs> but, that's a match made in heaven for for the MMA community. Yeah, that's another. There's two fights. There's two two big fights coming up that I have a hard time calling. Uh, Is that, that one, one of and Khabib. Yep, Khabib and Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson, and then you know, Cowboy is he's a phenomenal striker, but Connor's so powerful and accurate, and he moves so well. You know, it, I don't know. I, I really don't know. You know, if, some, if Connor if Connor was talking mad shit right now, and and you know dragging 
cowboy through the mud and, and doing all the stuff that Connor does, I would probably give it to Connor. But for some reason, he's not. And I, you know, you remember when Nate Diaz? I was just, I was going to mention um, that though, but he, you, he did this. He, he he was talking crazy. Nate Diaz won. But I felt like he locked in a little bit more, less talking Nate Diaz too, trained a little right. bit, less media obligations, and won the fight. Right. Well, do you remember when Nate Diaz was trash-talking Donald Cerrone when he just emotionally yeah. abused him yeah. for the entire training camp right. and then during the fight? And like he said Cowboy that worked against him. Yeah, he, he, did, he, had, he didn't Cowboy. deal with it. Yeah, he didn't necessarily deal with it that well. So I, if I was Connor, I would have taken advantage of that and, and just – again, just treated him like he was Jose Aldo and just went crazy on him. But, you know, it, this is a huge fight for Cowboy. And, and, you know, historically, Cowboy loses the big ones. Absolutely. Yep. He always he always has. And, I, and, again, that's another thing. I, that's what sucks about being an analyst sometimes is you have to be honest about these, these analysis of these guys. And it, it hurts me to say that out loud because I know – at some point in time, Cowboy's going to hear me say that, but it, right. it's, that's just the reality. It doesn't make me any less of a fan or, or any less of, you oh, know. Yeah, like, you can go I, down I, his resume I've, and prove it. Right, like I've, I've, I've molded some of my mentality around Cowboy, you know. It just Fight anyone mentality? Yeah, yeah, that just, just put, go, just fight whoever they put in front of you and, and, and then live your life the way you want to outside of fighting, you know, and, and that's how Cowboy's become so popular, but that's also how he's been able to stay in the game so long. He's not, you know, when I was, when I was younger, I, I, I was so obsessed with it. You know, it's all I thought about. It's all I did. It's, it, it was everything. But now, as I've gotten older, I, I got other things that I'm interested in. I hunt, you know, I fish, I, I, I travel in my, in my, in my RV. I take my kids riding the Razor all the time. You know, like we, we, rock climb in kansas you know we do a lot of things awesome man. now that i have that better balance uh since i've had the kids i'm more successful because my you know i got a nice life balance and you know i i, I kind of learned a little bit of that from cowboy so i i hate to have to say that like listen here's the deal cowboy any big super super big fight cowboys had he's lost like it's just me being honest that could be like a psychological thing too right for him, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And what about Khabib Ferguson? I know you said you have a hard time calling that. We just, I mean, there's just no way to call it yet, right? Like, we, there's no way. There's just no know. way. Like, because if 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 Ferguson fights his best fight versus Khabib's best fight, we can yeah, see <laughs> uh, routes to win for both of the fighters. You think mm-hmm. it does happen though? I know is it, is the fifth time the charm in this situation? Yeah, for sure. Ops, for right. sure, I think it happens. I think it's too big right now to not happen. What about uh, DC, DC Stipe 3? Oh, man, I'm going to have to go with my boy Stipe. You know, really? I, wow, okay, nice. Yeah, I got to go with my boy Stipe. You know, he's, he's he means the best heavyweight to ever do it. You know what I mean? It's just, it is what it is. It's that There's no way to deny that. Um, and and, and I, I guess I'm a little bit closer. You know, maybe I'm too close to the trees to see the forest just because I'm super tight with Stipe, but... Uh, you know, I even in the first fight, like there was a lot going into that, and I'm not going to make excuses for Stipe, but you know, like the day he fought Daniel, the first day his kid, his wife was in labor during the fight. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. how how hard would it be to be you know his first daughter, his first child? Right. You know, and, his and, you know the more, the more I labor. talk to MMA fighters and UFC fighters, it, and we're, we're speaking about it right now, but like mental, like the build up in your mental really is half the battle. 
That's most of it. Yeah, I mean, like, so yeah, you have you have something going on in your personal life. You have a kid coming. You know, like you said, right. Connor, uh, Nate gets in Cowboy's head. He goes in there thinking about that. Aldo, you know, was all pissed off at Connor. I mean, these things yeah. really carry with you to the octagon, and it could make the difference, like, to your point, That's which is crazy. Which is what makes John Jones such an anomaly. Because he has so much other stuff going on. He's got so many bad things that have gone on in his life, and, and the dude hasn't missed off. a step. Right. Yeah, hasn't missed a step. Well, I don't. I don't want to. So as much you, as I hate to stick up for him, I don't want to keep but, you too much longer. Uh, I told you twenty twenty five minutes. We're on the thirty minute five minute mark on New Year's Eve. I I totally apologize. Um, you're good. But last last question. Uh, what's next for for Anthony Smith in twenty twenty? I know I know you mentioned Glover. Um, I know you mentioned the belt commentary. Um, and, and does it does it does it matter one way or another if John Jones like let's just say he vacates and goes to heavyweight like. Is the belt on your mind at this point, no matter who has it? Um, what What's the goals here in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I can't. As, as much as I want to beat John Jones, I can't. I can't lose track of why I'm doing this. You know, um, that's it, man. I'm chasing the title, so if he vacates it, I'll go get it. And if he vacates it to go to heavyweight, uh, I'll go. I, I mean, I told John Jones this immediately after we fought. There's no way he doesn't see me again. There's no one in 205 that's going to stop me, anyways. You know, I I fought John Jones immediately. Went and fought the number one contender and finished it. Like, there's no one at 205 that's gonna stop me from getting back to the title. You don't you don't want uh, the, like that 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 Santos rematch? Like, is that something considered? Oh, he's for considered sure. The, for sure, that'll happen. Way. That'll happen for sure. I mean, there's a couple. I mean, there's fights that are gonna happen at some point in time. Me and me and Tiago will run that back at 205, and I think you know, I think the fans will be excited for that. How, how many more um, years do you plan on going? Um. Is there like I know DC's like I'm, I'm done at forty. Like, is there like a thirty-five? Is there is there a specific number or certain fights, or you're just going I mean, until it, you feel? It, as long as I'm at the top of my game, I'll keep going. Right. Um, and you continue to get better. You've proven that. Right. I'm yeah. I'm getting better. I'm still. I still got a lot of. I still got a lot of things to to work on. You know. I'm still getting better every day in the gym. So I mean, yeah. I would imagine. You know, I probably got four or five years in my prime still. So. That's what I'm looking at, but you know, it's really no hard and set date. It's just as long as I'm at the top of my game and I'm still competing with the guys at the top, then, then I'm in. Is there somebody like a Johnny Walker that you, like? Not, I'm not saying that you wouldn't want to fight him later, but sooner than later, since he has so much buzz going on him, like some of these big names that you're like, you know what? This I could. I mean, you 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 like to your point with like analogies and stuff. Like Floyd Mayweather gets him while they're early, beats up on Canelo. Get, I mean, just right. a lot of people. Like, is there is there certain people that you're looking in the division? It's like, man, I can I sign like like for I, I keep using Glover, but like after you mentioned that, like that's a perfect fight for you, man. Like once you mention that, right. like, oh man, that has to happen now. Right, and he's on a winning streak. Yeah, you know well, I mean, he like looks he's good, quietly, man. he looks good. He does look good lately. So, you know, the, the guys like Johnny, your Johnny Walkers, your your Dominic Reyes. There's, there's that. The, well, there's that Krylov kid. Yep. Um, yep. Those guys are gonna be really, really good. You know, is in four years, Dominic Reyes is gonna be probably will probably be the champion of the world. Right. Just not while I'm still here. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And and there's there's these guys that are you know these guys that are two and oh, three and oh pros. Uh, you know, they're coming through those LFA shows and, and the regional scene. But you can see like some of these dudes are gonna be savages. You know, like I've I've seen kids in the gym. Uh, at Factory X in Denver, where I do my training camps, 
you know, there's these kids that are 13, 14, 15 years old that that are just gonna the, the game is gonna be crazy. Right. When they when they're 18, 19, 20, they start getting to their mid 20s and they're fighting in the UFC and, and challenging for titles and shit. I don't want to be around when those dudes come up <laughs> because those dudes are gonna. You know, like in my in my era, it's boxers turned MMA fighters, kickboxers right, turned right. MMA fighters, college wrestlers turned to MMA. Um, now now you're getting guys like Gordon Ryan know everything that, that are that well guys like Gordon Ryan that are phenomenal jujitsu guys that are just going to add the rest of the game, and then now you got these kids like like Rory McDonald was like an anomaly. He was he he started at like eight years old and never wrestled. He never boxed. He never did any of that stuff. He started as an MMA, like he started in MMA. Right. So he started doing it all when he was like eight years old. Well, now you know, like he was a he was one of the few to do that. But now that's how they that's how they all start now. You know, at Factory X, there's a whole kids program of just little eight, nine, and ten year old savages that can do jujitsu. They can wrestle and they can kickbox. It's crazy. We're like, I'm I'm fortunate that I'll be done before kids like that start getting to me. Man, we're we're really hoping that you get that belt, man. That that's something that uh, I think Corpus would be proud. Of course, here in San Antonio, Nebraska, um, and, and you know this. I know, I know you hear this on a regular basis, but you're so humble. Like you said, you're so well spoken. You're so honest. Um, even just giving us the opportunity, you know, we this is something that we've been wanting for a long time. And uh, and I tell you, like I tell every one of my guests, man, we we really get behind you once you're on the podcast, man. We really appreciate this. Um, Last question. I, this is just something as we we're speaking. I was like, I, I thought I'd ask him, who is your 2019 fighter of the year? I know, I know, uh, Jorge Masvidal has been in there. Israel, uh, Triple C. You know, there's a uh, uh, Usman. Is there is there anybody that sticks out you know, for your fighter of the year candidate? Uh, if, if we're going just off of straight accomplishments, I would probably say Israel. But for me, for me, like. If it's like I got to die on that hill, it's probably Israel, just because of what he's been able to do. That you know, in such a short amount of time, and the, the amount of popularity he's gained, and the things he was able to do. You know, he beat Anderson Silva, Kelvin Gastelum, and Robert Whitaker in the same year. That's right. crazy. But as a veteran of the game, and how hard I know it is to change, to to switch, you know, to to just change it up and, and completely turn your career around and and really shift into that next gear. It's got to be Masvidal, man. It's hard to do, man, and it's hard to. It's even harder to get the opportunities because people look at you sometimes like a journeyman, uh, and you got to you got to do something wild and crazy, and, you, and then and then you got to follow it up with something else, and then after that you got to follow it up with something else. Like you have to be at the top of your game because people are always going to count you out because of the number of L's on your record. Um, and it happened to me. It happened to, to Masvidal, and, and and the things that he was able to do so, so late in his career, just from one veteran to another, uh, Masvidal is my fighter of the year for sure. And, and he's someone that, that again, like kind of like the Cerrone thing with his lifestyle and how he handles himself outside of the octagon. Like Masvidal is someone who I look up to, to, to keep reminding me that it doesn't matter what's gone on previously in your career, that it, it's about what's going, what's in front of it. You know, he completely, I mean, two years ago, no one gave a shit about Jorge Masvidal. And they didn't give a shit about me either. Uh, you know, and, and now look at us, you know? Man, it's 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 turned around for sure for you and for him. Um, again, man, thank you for the opportunity. Um, hoping you get that Glover fight. Hope, hopefully uh, we can talk to you right before that fight too. That would be awesome. For sure. For sure, man. Just stay in touch. And, 
I appreciate you guys, man. I really do. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk before the next one for sure. All right, well, that's Lionheart Anthony Smith, the third-ranked light heavyweight in the world, UFC fighter, awesome guy. Thank you for being on the podcast, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. Take care. Adios. Woof, man. Um, Lionheart Smith, man, he uh, a good guy. And I was just talking to a couple friends about this, man. Like, I ain't trying to, you know... You know, I ain't trying to brag or nothing, but like when we first started, man, we we were getting friends on the podcast. We were getting, you know, like low, low, like real, real, real local rappers, and and we'd get family. And like when we got somebody in the UFC, they weren't ranked, and they were just man, they just signed the UFC contract, you know, type of shit. And now just to think about it, you know, to end this decade and think about 2020, we just talked to the third ranked light heavyweight in the UFC right now. This guy has been in the cage with monsters, arguably the greatest of all time, John Jones. Like this guy here has fought 46 times. Like this guy is like a big fish, man. And like I'm looking back, you know. You know, reflecting on, you know, this podcast and, and, and sometimes I think that I'm not, you know, consistent enough and, you know, to try to get LJ out of bed to get up and and to record. And even, you know, I put it on LJ, but sometimes it's me, you know, and, and, and man, if we were to stay consistent, man, and, and, and boy, like we just, we could really, you know, launch and take off. So like that's been my plan is to really, you know, get off the ground, stay consistent and, and, and you know, try to make this as is good as I can, the best product that I can to, to really perform for you guys, so everybody that's listening to this right now, man, I appreciate you listening, um, I, man, I thank you for listening, um, 2020, I promise you, I promise you we're gonna come hard, we've got big guests lined up, I got big guests already in the works, of course, me and LJ are gonna continue to do our thing on Wax the Podcast, Jay Hen, LJ 2019, adios!